0: Ladies and gentlemen, Football Scoop podcast is back. I am Scott Rousseau. I've got uh, college football expert John Bryce. Got uh, Football Scoop content manager, high school football coach extraordinaire Doug Samuels on the line with me, gentlemen. Today, I got us on here to talk a little bit about the upcoming month. Today is November seventeenth. By December seventeenth, before Christmas, a lot is going to happen. A lot of uh, things happen in the uh, coaching turnover world uh, with coaching searches. Uh, with hiring head coaches and assistants. Nobody wants to be working Christmas Eve or Christmas. Um, We have uh, portal action. We have early signing period in December as well. Uh, So there's a lot going on. The way the calendar falls this year, uh, the weekend of what, the 25th, 26th of November is the end of the regular season, FBS, The weekend of uh, December 2nd is conference championships. So then they have uh, the portal opens. John, the portal is a shorter version than last year.
1: Portal is a shorter version. It opens Monday, December 4th, officially um, for non-graduate players, that players are just going into the portal. And it's only a 30-day window this year, as opposed to a 45-day window that it has been, Uh, since it was first passed a few years ago. So this is a change. This is a change that coaches wanted. It's a change that that student athletes seem to be okay with. But it's 15 15 fewer days. You guys can all remember uh, this past January, we were at FCA in Charlotte, and a number of coaches either arrived late or had to leave early because they were hosting official visits for Portal Kids. Well, Mm -hmm. this should be uh, eliminated by this new calendar. Signing period, early signing period, December
0: 20th opens, Doug, just for a couple of days? Yes, at least really so. And, okay, so regular season ends November 25th-ish. For most teams, conference champions December 2nd, you got three weeks-ish. Uh, you know, portals open, recruiting is ongoing, signing period. All that has to happen, and if you have a coaching change – Like, let's say, you know, we've all taught, we all are aware, Texas A&M is already in their process interviewing people. Mississippi State is trying to do the same, uh, get some traction. But for the regular guys, the regular folks that have it after season, head coaching change. For example, let's talk about potentials. And I don't want to get candidates. I just want to talk about the process. UCLA, Houston, Arkansas, if those were to open, and they open after the regular season, say November 25th, You still got, I mean, ample time. It's not a huge problem, in my opinion, to get a coaching search done in two weeks. That's no problem at all. The problem, the predicament it creates is if UCLA, Houston, or Arkansas hires a sitting head coach. It creates a massive time squeeze in the back end for that other team. John, just some thoughts there.
1: Yeah, I would um, a little bit disagree with you. Uh, The moves that are made um, inevitably that weekend after Thanksgiving – I think are almost becoming too late with where the cycle sits, with where the calendar sits right now because of the transfer portal, because of NIL, because of all these other factors that were not there three years ago, five years ago. I think it shrinks the window. I think it makes it um, that much more pressing. And so if you're waiting until Sunday, the 25th, you're frankly behind Texas A&M you're behind Mississippi state. Some of that's not uh, some of these institutions fault. They're not planning to lose their coat, their coach, but but inevitably somebody out there is going to lose a sitting head coach for one of these other openings and they're going to have less time to deal with it. So I do think the timeline is significant. I do think if there are programs that really fill in their guts, they're probably about to have to make a, sh- a change and, and make a shift in leadership that the ones that are proactive stand a better chance of quote unquote getting it right.
0: I enjoyed your clarification of shift there thought you did a good job coming back to that. Um, Okay. I'm with you. I don't know that as an athletic director who's worth his salt, I feel pressured to do it in season. Uh, I think you can allow your coach, give it everything he's got, run out of the season as he should. I think you have your list. And I think if you're a competent athletic director, you know who you want to interview anyway. You set up those interviews, then four or five days, you might bring one or two guys to campus and you make your hire. You probably don't even bring one or two guys to campus. You probably go meet them if you're a big power five. Um, it's it's the secondary impact of those that right. would be the challenge. You know, if you have a a very stable head coach, you're hoping as the athletic director – Nobody comes for him. Right. And, you know, you got Jeff Trailer. Well, you're aware that Jeff trailer has been at the top of the market. Jeff's going to, you know, he's, he's being sought uh, at potentially two places, maybe three places already. So UTSA's athletic director has got to be ahead of that. Right.
1: They've already got to be working on their list. Yeah. And I think Doug can uh, chime in here, uh, whether he agrees or disagrees with me, obviously. I just think that um, doing it later with the transfer portal, with the early signing period, which is December 20th, only through the 22nd, it's just different. I talked to a player personnel director last night, and he point blank told me, he said, bro, if we get our things done, we won't sign anybody in February. Now, they might still sign somebody, still somebody out of the portal after the first of the year, but their goal is to have their 2024 recruiting class done on December 20th, 2023. Now there's some residual impact, uh, for the high school kids, especially, I think that more of those guys are having to wait longer on offers or they're having to, um, I think end up maybe signing some FCS deals, which is one of the reasons why I contend FCS is about better than it's ever been right now. I just think there are, um, multiple intricacies that it's not just looking at a calendar and saying, okay, well, the season ends, November 24th, 25th is, is the last day of regular season games. We can make our move the 26th and have all sorts of time. You can make the move the 26th, but you better be darn efficient.
0: I think you're, you're I you're you're was muted. Sorry about that. Yeah. Doug, let me ask you a question. Head high school football coach, you have college recruiters coming in all the time. They've been coming in uh, of late. Are you seeing stress from the head football coaches or new potential head football coaches? Are you feeling any change, any stress from those guys with regards to recruiting high school athletes? Yeah. So I, the the
2: FBS guys that come in, um, they seem to come in later than they have. Than you know, I've, I've been a head coach going on six years now. Um, so six, six years ago, they would come in kind of as the as the regular season was wrapping up and in and talk about some guys. Ah, uh, not now. It's it's you know a, a few weeks later. So, uh, you know, and I've been at two small schools. I can only imagine it's a little bit different at the you know the the bigger high schools, the, that are churning out Power Five talent all the time. Um, but you, you know that it has a trickle down effect. We've got we've got two of the top programs in in Division Two in our backyard in Fair State and Grand Valley, and uh, and, and you know they and Saginaw Valley that's uh, that's over in the Detroit area, um, and, and they. You know, they're testing the transfer portal as much as as much as FBS guys are. It's 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 kind of the trickle down effect. And then goes all the way down to the the Division three guys and NAI guys that come in here that are being very selective about how they recruit because they know they're going to get some bounce back kids uh, from from the portal. Uh, For for the FBS guys and the the major college guys, we don't have a whole lot of FCS programs around us that, that come and recruit. But I was talking to a, an FBS coach about one of our kids recently, and, and he just told us point blank, like we, we don't know what our our roster availability is going to be. And this kids you know one of our kids is a preferred walk walk-on type kid, um, but doesn't know what their their roster availability is going to be like until after that second signing day is kind of when when things clear up. A lot of, A lot of programs want want things to be cleared up that first signing day, but in the Mac, you know you're, you' you get that trickle down effect from from the, the power five. Um, and so they don't really know what their roster looks like until after, after that,
0: that February signing day. Yeah. Muted. muted again. You're muted. Holly, this mute thing's killing me. It's a great point, Doug. So like these group of five type programs, they're kind of in a hold. They want to recruit certain kids, but if, if those kids get big power five offers, they're gone. So it doesn't, it's not a great use of the resources at the group of five level to go, you know, constantly be visiting, recruiting these kids. Secondarily, they got to wait and see what happens, transfer portal if if kids leave as well. So they're not sure what their needs are, their roster is. So that's why the, the group of five, FCS, is kind of a second wave. I totally understand that.
1: And again, I just think with the early signing period and then after that signing period, ends on friday december 22nd obviously you're transitioning into the christmas holiday and the new year's holiday and you're transitioning into a dead period uh, which makes it that much more difficult if you're a new staff um, even if you've planned to be a new staff and know you're making a change uh, you still have time timing constraints but if you're a, a staff being put together because of a change and you're coming in all new you're either trying to salvage relationships that you almost certainly did not have beforehand or you can't salvage those relationships and you're almost starting over from scratch. So with the early signing period, as much as the portal and, and NIL are impacting other elements, I just think uh, the early signing period, first and foremost, those other elements, secondary, shrinks how much time you have before you significantly fall behind. And if you come in and you can't salvage the great majority of a class, I mean, look, look, if you've got 20 guys committed for that are si- signing early signing period in December, If you can't come in and save more than half that class, then you're going to be really hard-pressed to fill a full recruiting class, even with the February signing period in the portal. And again, you're making a change in some cases because you're dissatisfied. So if you're dissatisfied and you're making a change and taking a step back, even though you're hitting the reset button, I think you have the risk of setting your program even further back, again, if you don't do it in a timely, efficient manner. John, I would think that... um New head coach gets
0: hired. Athletic director wants to, you know, accelerate that process a lot so that new head coach gets hired with ample time to make his personnel decisions, recruiting, all that. But I would also think there's a lot of education that has to happen to the head coach. He has to be educated on where do we stand with NIL, who are our assets that can help us, um, how how is money being deployed here? Uh, I think there's a fallacy. I think you have these indexes created by media companies that are made up that aren't realistic uh, saying, Oh, his, his NIL value is $670,000. And then you speak to that young man or his position coach and he goes, yeah, he got 10 grand here and, and he got 10 grand there. Like, Wait, they said his, his NIL index value is 670,000. They're like, he's like, yeah, that would be great. But I mean that, that no one's paying him money like that. Yeah. Uh, but 10,000, 20,000, 80,000, Those deals happen. uh, And the head coach needs to understand who are our players and how do I how do I what kind of money is available? John, how does that impact things? I'm
1: I'm really glad you brought that up. That may be one of the best points of this entire podcast today, because you're right. That's going to be an upfront conversation between an A.D. and his potential head coaching candidates. And specifically, it will become a much more detailed conversation conversation once an ad has selected his primary candidate they're not going to give away too much the nil space is so murky right now and everybody's wondering exactly what another school is doing that in that interview process they're not going to overshare because if you don't get that coach or you decide to go a different direction you don't want to risk having given away trade secrets but once the decision is made i would imagine it's going to carry out to where the football coach is going to say i i my staff will handle all personnel what money do we have to go handle all personnel? So I think that's a really that's a really valuable point. Now, a lot of these NIL deals are already being negotiated right now. I know for a fact there are guys who have not yet entered the portal that were in, that will enter the portal early next month. They're already having their marketing reps or whomever discussing and negotiating their NIL deals. So again, there are just so many new layers, I think, in the coaching carousel, and it's getting a little more nuanced every year. But I think this is this is maybe the most layered coaching carousel in the four plus years I think that I've been with you guys at Football Scoop. I'll tell you, there's a really unique um, little nugget in here. So,
0: football coaches really enjoy being football coaches and mentors to young men, developers of young men. They're not necessarily the greatest uh, NIL business. You know, they often have a guy, right? It's a guy who works for the head coach, and he kind of interprets, "Hey, here's how the money flows." and he, he understands institutionally where the money is and how it all works. If he goes with the head coach to another job, institutionally, that old place is lost. You right. follow what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. For example, it, Brian Kelly's got a guy at LSU. He knows every person who is giving NIL money and where they're deploying the NIL money and all that stuff. If Brian Kelly were to get hired today and leave and he takes that guy with him, LSU's athletic director, Scott Woodard, he knows a lot of that stuff and he's got somebody else in athletics who does, but the football staff, they just lost that person. And there's a lot of on the job training and you got to bring somebody new. And it's a, it's a, it's a new challenge in college football. That's all I'm saying. And it's a heck of a position if you can become that person.
2: That that GM title was something that people laughed at like five years ago, it was just kind of a made up title that you know he you, you gave a, a, a senior type guy. And now that I would imagine that's how that's how that's being used by a
1: lot of F, FBS programs. I, yeah, that's that's the GM point is really good, Doug. And I would say. Uh, Honestly, in a lot of ways, the GM uh, roles that I'm familiar with that have emerged in in Power 5 football now are primarily doing three major things. They are, in a lot of cases, figuring out what the assistant coach's salary pool is going to be and advising the head coach on how to disseminate the additional money and to to dole out those raises. They're also very in tune with the NIL, uh, what their own budget is. They're trying to find out what other schools are truly paying not allegedly paying. And then the other thing, the third thing I think GMs are doing a lot more of right now is they're more involved in future scheduling and, and handling and helping with some non-conference scheduling down the road, meeting with the AD and saying, okay, I think we can do a neutral site game here. Can we do a three game series, two at home, one away here? I think um, to Doug's point, that a uh, great one. Those are the three primary responsibilities of a GM right now in college football.
0: Yeah. And I think in the past there used to be, uh, a personnel aspect there. The GM still has some personnel oversight, but now there is a, a, a bigger role for the director of player personnel. He now has recruiting and scouting underneath them. Uh, very different. You know, one's looking at high school, one's looking at, it's like a pro personnel concept uh, for other college with the portal.
1: And one other thing I would, I would make one other point I would make in terms of transitioning and trying to figure out what you have to spend in the portal and what you've got. Um, I'll use an example, two different ACC coaches, Talked to me this fall about a kid who was able to go ahead and go into the portal. And I don't want to give away a position, but they started talking to this kid and they were saying, you know, what's important to you? And the kid point blank told me, he said, look, there are two factors, money and being developed. I know you guys can develop me. I've seen who you've put in the league. How much can you pay me? Because here's what another school has already promised me. And one of these coaches said, if that's what that school has already promised you, then you'll get developed here. But if money is that big a factor to you, then we've got to end this right now. And I appreciate you and wish you the best of luck. I bring that story up to say, a coach coming into a situation may may realize that there's been an, an unofficial NIL deal struck or that there's movement to have an NIL deal done with the player. But he could be coming from a program where he already knows he's going to have two offensive linemen coming with him. And he doesn't need this cat out of the portal anymore. So, again, I just think it's yet another unintended consequence, but a real consequence uh, of the way the carousel and the coaching cycle is working from a timing standpoint right now.
0: Doug, you got any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I do not.
2: I, I, I don't. I think you guys hit it hit it well.
0: I think uh, we will see an accelerated process, I agree with you, JB. Things have already started, you know, for certain programs, obviously. Michigan State, Texas A&M, uh, Mississippi State, trying to get things going. San Diego State's got a little plan. They're they're not as big and as um, wealthy. Anyway, um, things will move. It's the secondary hires that, boy, it's a real crunch for those athletic directors. And this is where you see who's a great athletic director and who's a, well, I got a, I got a search firm that I, got a, I owe a favor to, so I'm going to hire a search firm reality. As always, we'll keep you posted football com every single day at John D. Bryce one at coach Sam's on football scoop. Y'all have a great day.